the Wheel of Time Turns and Ages Come and Pass, Leaving Memories to Become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. Today we're covering chapters 19 through 23 of The Shadow Rising, book four of The Wheel of Time. Previously, news of the White Cloak occupation of the Two Rivers reached our heroes, and Perrin decided to just peace out and go home. Uh, Matt, of course, used this as an excuse to finally go through that doorway that he super promised he wasn't going to go through, and we all knew he was pretty much going to go through. Oh, the evil twisted doorway? Yeah, the evil <laughs> twisted doorway, right? And he's like, I really wanted to go through that doorway. Uh, so he does, and he, he goes on our weirdest dimension hopping adventure yet, which is saying something, because we've been on some weird-ass dimension hopping uh, adventures. Uh, Rand and Moraine do it too, of course, because they didn't want to feel left out. And uh, Perrin and Fail fight a lot, and then they drag Loyal... And Samayil into their bullshit, and then and, and into the ways, because, you know, why not, right? At this point, just fuck it all. <laughs> they are, because even the ways are better than this argument. <laughs> right. It's basically Perrin and I, Fahil are the goddamn worst. Yeah. <laughs> I could have Machine Sin turn me insane and twist me and corrupt me, or I could listen to these teenagers bicker for three weeks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Going I mean, through the ways. Right, exactly. So, chapter 19, The Wave Dancer. The icon of some birds and stuff? It's the icon for the sea folk. Oh, is there icon birds? Shouldn't it be fish? I that think would make there a lot more sense. Like seagully things, right? How can you tell? Oh, Look, some seagulls. one of our lovely listeners sent us an email that had a link to all these various icons, and apparently this is the icon for the sea folk. Okay, well that's cool. So the, thanks, listeners. <laughs> so these are seagulls then, and a star. Yeah, sea yeah. folk. Yeah. I'm just giving a preview. My goal for this session is we're going to talk about Ranland and Earth, and we're going to talk about people getting naked a lot. <laughs> that does happen a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, stay tuned. Right. Speaking of, so Elaine and Nynaeve take ship with the Sea Folk. Which is super cool. We know yeah. nothing about them except that they're mysterious. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely like a mystique attached to them. I, I, like, up to this point, we've heard of them several times, but always in... Uh, in in the conversation, they're talking about how no one knows much about them. In fact, I believe they said that there's a, there was a uh, sea folk Aes Sedai who doesn't talk at all about what it is to be a sea folk. Yeah, right? <laughs> they're like, she won't tell us anything about it. I don't know. She's like, yeah, right? She's been there for a hundred years or something in the White Tower and just won't tell them? Yeah. And oh, here's the weird right. thing about the sea folk, because I'm really getting into this idea uh, that Renland is the earth in a different age but one of the sea folk she's talking about it she says at the breaking of the world our ancestors fled to the safety of the sea while the land heaved and broke as storm waves do it is said they knew nothing of the ships they took to flee and then later on they come back to land and they're the sea folk now Mm -hmm. which is super cool it's the plot of the movie 2012 oh i missed that one (laughs) nah i don't know (laughs) i don't know if you missed it (laughs) Um, yep, it makes perfect sense, right? Everybody was scrambling to survive, so some people managed to survive on the sea. Yeah, and that's and they stayed out there. Uh, I do think it's funny that Elaine actually like calls out Nynaeve on her like total lack of diplomacy. Yeah, and, you know, because because like that's really obviously a problem, and they're going into a delicate situation. So mm-hmm. I look yeah, at Elaine so as like mentioning. she's like trying to mentor Nynaeve in the art of just not being a dipshit to everybody you meet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> It doesn't really work. No. At least not in this chapter yet. So, yeah, the sea folk are great. They're so much fun. They The ship is awesome. Uh, I thought Robert Jordan's description of the way the ship worked and the way the docks worked and the whole process was just full of really interesting detail. And he must have done a lot of research. Yeah, yeah. The the way that they described the ships and how they compare to other ships. And yeah. the, I like it. You can kind of picture what they're what he's talking about a little bit here. Yeah, it's a it's a this is a sailing ship. Well, they're all kind of sailing ships, but this one sails the ocean, right? So it's a it's a deep water ship, which makes it a very different thing from any of the ships any of the people have seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess most of the ships that that uh, the people of Randland sail about are uh, not not good for deep sea. They they are only good for yeah. like near being near the shore, which I hadn't really thought about much, but yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Like they usually, never go very far. Usually means they have a shallow draft, so they don't go down that far in the water. So the further down you go, the better you are at, at big waves and stuff. But it means you can't go close to the land because you're you stick in the you hit it, you know. Yeah, it really begs the question though: what else is out there? Because the sea folks seem to be the only ones who know who can make this bridge between Rainland and whatever else is there. Yeah. Well, we know for sure one thing that's out there: the Shanchen. Yeah. Yeah, the Shanchen are from somewhere, yeah, right? Some yeah. other some other landmass that is yeah. not attached to the landmass. They come but. from the west, right? 
Correct. Yeah. They come over the seas from the west. Okay. Which is why they but, landed where they did. But the sea folk also talk in this chapter, they mention Shara, which I believe is another place that's not on our map. Yeah. No, Tom, they bring it up, and even Tom, who's been around a lot, says he hasn't heard of it. He doesn't yeah. know if it's a city or a yeah, region. Yeah, it's, it's what's on the other side of the Isle Waste. Which is Yeah. East. And yeah. just nobody knows anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> our, our map conveniently ends right before the Isle Waste, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the sea folk, they know all this stuff. They're just not telling anybody. Yeah, I do really love the descriptions of the sea folk too. The way that they're like their attire, their 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 way of like it seems like jewelry seems to attribute rank somehow. Maybe I mean mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, the piercings. Yeah, they sound awesome. Yeah, they're really cool, and they they're all coed, you know. Yeah, because why wouldn't they be right? They're sailors. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the ladies are all topless. <laughs> Which is something Elaine has a lot of trouble dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I don't know. She's like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. There are other people. It's different customs. It's fine. <laughs> but the, the topless lady gets a bit of a dressing down because apparently the rule is you're not allowed to go topless until at least a day has passed since you've seen land. Yeah. Because apparently the, the short people respond like Elaine did. <laughs> yeah, they they the fuck out. Ooh, boobies. <laughs> boobies. I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, that might help in trading, right? If you, you know, disorient them with boobs. <laughs> and if you get a better price in trading, it's I guess. true. I wonder if they've tried it. Yeah. We learn a whole lot of stuff about the Sea Folk uh, here, but they uh, so Elaine and Nynaeve they take passage with the Sea Folk ship. Mm-hmm. The Sea Folk usually don't take Aes Sedai, which is what they're pretending to be, right? But they offer him just a whole huge pile of money, and they tell him basically they're, they're working for Rand. And so it turns out this the Sea Folk have a legend too, just like the mainlanders and just like the Aiel about a messiah savior person that's coming, and they call it the Koramur. And so they think Rand is the Koramur. Yeah, that's super cool. And another interesting thing, too, is apparently, is it on all of the Sea Folks boats or just the particular one they're on, the Wave Dancer, that they're run by two women, the Sail Mistress and the um, Windfinder? Yeah, I think that that's what's implied here. Yeah, the, the Sail Mistress and the Windfinder are always women and the Cargo Master is always a man. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, is, is that cool? I mean, I think it's neat having ships that are run by women. It's cool that it's not all men all the time. Especially because women for a really long time, didn't people think that it was bad luck to even have a woman on a ship? Don't they even... I think, I think that was just British sailors. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure okay. if that was something that they talked about in one of the previous books, but I might be just like misremembering. I think mostly they think it's bad luck to have Aes Sedai on your <laughs> ship. And they're probably right about that. That's a good point. Yeah. Aes Sedai bring trouble. I also kind of liked um, the, the gifting idea. Like it was, you can't buy passage on a ship. But you can offer a gift of like a certain value yeah. in order to like as a, an exchange for the gift of passage. Yeah. I thought that was weird. These people are traders, right? They trade all the time. They they know the value of all the different stuff in all the different ports. But passage is not something that they trade. I think it's interesting to see the different customs here, and I think it is really interesting too because they are so different, but they're trying to kind of make allowances for each other's differences. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it looks like they all have the same idea of the Koromor, the yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very interesting how the, everybody's got sort of a different version of the dragon prophecy. Yeah. I mean, it sort of makes sense, right? This is not like a, this is not an, a thing that affected just a, one country. It affected the entire world when it happened, right? So mm-hmm. I, I guess the ripples would extend everywhere. That they, these people all came, sprang from the same culture. I, I guess in the Age of Legends, there was only one culture because there was no war. There was no killing. It was all ages of peace and prosperity and plenty. Uh, I mean, is that really true? Because they had... Soldiers, right? They had they, sword fire. Oh, swords were, swords, swords were dancing, weren't they? Yeah, sword was a game or something. Yeah. So they're awesome. The sea folk are really fun. Yeah. I, I'd like to know a lot more about the sea folk. But they're cagey with what the information they give to Nynaeve and Elaine. Uh, but they, they normally don't take Aes Sedai at all. But this time they do. Specifically because of the core more. They don't even take all the money that they're offering them. Yeah. I'm really confused, though, because Maureen teaches Elaine and Nynaeve a lot about just the customs and the formalities that they have to observe when they're negotiating with the sea folk. But she doesn't tell them that the sea folk almost never take Aes Sedai. Why does she not give them that piece of information? Uh, well, so they well, could at least be prepared to. Because then they might not try and do it. <laughs> I mean, Ma- Maureen is uh, a manipulator, right? So she's sure. going to tell them exactly what she wants them to know and not, and not a thing more. So, I mean, her, her deal is... She wants them to get on the Seafolk ship, and she knows that if she tells them that Seafolk are going to turn them away, they're not going to try, right? 
See, I think that's a weak, uh, that would be a, a weak choice on her part, because if she was like, hey, these guys, they almost never take Aes Sedai, so you're going to have to be especially crafty and canny here. Like, I think that would be good yeah. information for them to have. Manic they could, is not they, good at that, right? They could not say they're Aes Sedai. They don't look like Aes Sedai yet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. They could have just done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's better that they did, though. I mean, it seems more useful for them to be Aes Sedai on this ship than not, right? Mm-hmm. And it's possible that Seafolk would have figured it out anyway, but... I well, they may have known that they could channel, but... Yeah. Yeah, but like even the 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 wave mistress and the windfinder, they both even say they they both even question if the women actually are Aes Sedai because they are so young. So mm-hmm. they could have easily not been Aes Sedai. So so uh, so yeah, they they turned down the payment. In fact, the the sail mistress says, "I'm going to pay for this out of my own chest," which is interesting. She like just to fund the, the voyage, and yeah. there's a little bit of an altercation between her and her cargo master slash husband. Uh, who by the way I thought was interesting has glasses he does yeah which didn't occur to me but no one else in this entire story has worn glasses up to this point which makes sense it's a a ladder technology right like glasses are not something that we've had all that long in human history right it's true but they if the sea folk have them why does nobody else have them sea folk just don't sell them uh, a lot of the stuff that the sea folk do, uh, they don't talk about. They, they're, they're very mysterious. So they, they might make the glass. They may not, or they may not make the glass. Maybe they get them from somewhere else and they're very expensive. It's possible that the sea folk were less disrupted by the breaking of the world because they were on boats. And so maybe they kept more stuff even than these glasses from the breaking, uh, from the Age of Legends. It's possible, yeah. Yeah. I did get the impression that they were, he was, uh, that they were just for reading, though. Because yeah. he's just using it to look at books. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But any sort of eyewear or, or eye improvement yeah. is, doesn't seem to exist. He's mad because the this new change of plans is going to screw up all of his trading plans. I know. I felt bad for him. I know. I feel bad for him, too. I don't know why she didn't just tell him this is important. It's about the core more. Well, I mean, like, yeah, it, I, it, it seemed like the kind of thing where she should... Her, her excuse, I believe, was something like, we can't tell anyone they're ice die on the ship because it's bad luck, which is, again, probably true. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I agree. I think that I think it, she could have at least given him a little bit more information. But instead, she's like, "Don't worry, I'll make it up to him later," which I assume means banging it out. <laughs> but in the middle of this conversation, there's a sudden shock, like an earthquake or something, and the ship is uh, rocked, and they all rush up onto the deck. I'm sorry, we forgot one thing though. Um, the sea mistress tells them that since they are serving the Coromor, they should bathe together and drink honeyed wine. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, I mean, sure. If that's you know. how you make friends. Mm-hmm. Let's make friends. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for the the movie later, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter twenty. Winds rising. The icon of the waves. That's more sea folky of an icon to me. It just generally means ships at sea, apparently, because oh, they also use it for bile domain. So it turns out this cataclysm is the Rand thing, which we've referenced in three or four chapters so far we still don't know what happened yeah the, at the end of each chapter there's been of the last few there's been like some right i don't know yeah earth shaking yeah. kind of thing so if we were setting our watches here and <laughs> we wanted to know exactly how much time had passed we could all set this because this happened to all these people at the same time this yeah. true and uh naive thinks by the way that it is rand's reaction to elaine's letter <laughs> okay. That's her take on what's going on here. <laughs> Shouldn't have written in that letter. He's going to shake the world apart. He's going to break the world again because he wrote in that nasty note. Okay. Uh, but there on the ship are Tom and Julian. I'm so glad that guy's still alive. Julian, Julian Sandar. I thought he was kind of fun. He's fun. Yeah, yeah, I like him a lot. He's capable and, and likable. And now that he and Tom are here, it's a party. Like, this is got, like shit's about to go down. Right. And they could... They're really cagey about taking these guys with them, but they could really use these guys, you yeah. know? Yeah, they're like, two very useful people. Yeah, Julian is a is an investigator, right? And Tom has all sorts of useful skills. Yeah. But uh, but they are cagey about taking them. They're like, no. Can't trust them. Which, I, I mean, I think, I think they could probably trust them, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Tom is there because Maureen sent him, and Julian is there because Rand sent him. Rand and Land both. Yeah, Rand and Land. Which is interesting because did they... Act- have they ever actually met this guy? Maybe they decide, let's send a thief taker. And there happens to be one right here. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, yeah, I mean, is it thief? Yeah, I guess I guess if you're going to a, a place as dicey as, as Tanchico appears to be, maybe a thief taker is the right person to send. Maybe. Yeah. Well, he's kind of like a PI slash bounty hunter. Right. It seems so, like that would be some useful skills. Yeah, he's good at, uh, you know, investigation, tracking, 
Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and and both staff skills. Don't forget both staff. <laughs> both skills. staff. Yes. He's got that sweet man. Like he dim- he's like, oh, I'll be useful, and demonstrates his both staff skills. <laughs> he's just like, okay, okay, man, we got <laughs> you. I mean, right? That's that's nice and all, but. Uh, but uh, they, they do end up coming with them. And, the, and Elaine immediately, the first thing she does when she sees Tom is just like go up and grab his facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's an interesting way to greet somebody, I suppose. As I a mean. man with facial hair, I will tell you that it's too forward. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, she's got a thing for facial hair. And you know what? Uh, who am I to judge? Everyone's got their thing, right? <laughs> she really likes his mustaches. Yeah, she knows Tom, right? She feels like she knows him, but she can't quite place where from. Yeah. And we, we know why, of course, because I think yeah. We, yeah, we know that uh, from the previous chapters that Elaine... Tom fucked her mom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and also, <laughs> Elaine, you know, was a baby when he was around. Like, or a toddler, I guess, when she was around. Must have been if she remembers it. Yeah. I hope she doesn't become attracted to him. I was kind of worrying that that was going to happen. <laughs> no, I, I think I think he would I think he would definitely be a father figure to her. But then again, you know what? I, I say he that, but he's... He likes the young ladies. He's gone after some oh, very young ladies. Sure. Some PYTs. Oh, yeah. So are we 100% sure that he is not her father? No. I gotcha. And it, he may or may not have killed uh, her actual father. Uh, I think we I think we know th- he did, right? Like no, Alice disagrees. Okay. My, my, my read was that he definitely killed him because he found out the guy was going to kill the woman he loved. Mm. Right. So, they, yeah, they join up, which is great. Now they're a real adventuring party. Uh, and they go out traveling by sea. And we get some more of... Robert Jordan's really great picaresque descriptions of the traveling down the Delta and traveling, uh, you know, getting to the ocean and, and getting out on the swells of the ocean. And she sees some, Elaine sees some flying fish and some dolphins and it's really cool. There's but, dolphins in this world. No more elephants or giraffes or hyenas, but they have dolphins. Well, dolphins live in the sea, right? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking it was kind of like a water world-esque thing. Well, uh, and... We don't know that elephants don't exist because we just know that they don't exist here. But there is ivory, mm-hmm. which means that there might be elephants in other lands. Ivory and silk, and they have no idea where they come from. Yeah, there's that funny little thing where he's like, you know, we don't know what ivory comes from or what kind of plant that silk comes from. Maybe it comes from an animal. I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that was kind of fun. Yeah, I think there was a Waterworld-esque situation because there's even, if you look at Ranland, Ilian, I think, used to be Italy. And then Mayan, oh, yeah. I think, used to be Greece. And then there's an area right there called the Drowned Land. So I think that the sea just rose. Maybe. There's crazy cataclysmic earthquakes and things. Right. Global yeah. warming. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's, there, there's some, like, just this is a, a kind of a minor thing, but there's kind of, like, funny commentary on, like, um, the, the, the Terran regulation, I guess, about... Having to have a Terran pilot on your ship. Oh, yeah. And he's just, like, there because he's required by law, but they're just, like, ignoring him. Yeah, the sea folk won't even talk to him. They give him some food, though. Yeah. yeah. Give him him a bowl of stew. Here, have something to eat while you sit there and do nothing. (laughs) Just collect your gold and get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's a... I think that's a real historical thing. The harbor pilot, that's that's a way the Terran high lords keep control of who goes in and who goes out. Yeah. They they also have a a brief mention of some... uh, The Terran... The way the Terrans control um, buildings and and uh, villages, yeah, which is interesting, like the kind of a regulation taxation thing. Um, what do they call it? The building tax or something like that, right? And the more buildings exist in an area, the higher the tax is. Yeah, because they're paranoid about another city being there at the mouth of the river, diverting some of the trade. Yeah, which is interesting. So that Terran high lords suck. Yeah. They're not even good at running their economy. You know, they're, they're, this is a very top-down command mercantilist economy. I mean, it's doing. They're doing really well so far, right? For them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. So Elaine and Tom have a long conversation where Elaine is trying to figure out where she knows this guy from, and Tom knows he's just not going to tell her. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he. I, th- I think he probably doesn't see any point, and the less that she knows about him, the probably the better for her in certain ways. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. He, he seems like a, a character who is not really popular in the court. And, you know, I, 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 I feel like it could be a problem if, you know, Elaine spends yeah. a bunch of time with this guy who her, who her mother wants to kill. Probably yeah, still true. a little bit. But Tom, in this conversation, Elaine's trying to get him to laugh because she thinks it'll help her remember him. But he waxes really philosophical about kind of myths and history. And I kind of really like this I actually conversation. Wrote, yeah, I actually, I actually quoted it, or I wrote a little quote down, down here because it's, uh, it's like an allusion to his name almost, right? He's saying, um, let's see, Tom Marilyn, not a gleeman, but what? Who can say? Not eating fire, but breathing it, hurling it about like an Aes Sedai. Uh, 
Tom Marilyn, the mysterious hero, toppling mountains and raising up kings, which is kind of a Merlin thing, right? Like he was a wizard, and then he oh like, oh my god, you're right. That's, that's like that's like a, uh, he's like talking about Merlin, right? I had no idea. Seriously? Yeah. yeah well, There's that, a fucking sword in the stone. Well, I, I didn't figure out that uh, Tom that Marilyn goes with Merlin. That, yeah. that, well, I mean, I, I don't know if he always is supposed to be that figure, but but I, yeah. Well, that's what he says, right? I I thought this what he says here is a little speech is kind of like a recapitulation of the theme of the whole series. It kind of is. You know, like, history becomes myth and myth becomes podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. But no, no, I, th- I think it is. I think it is. But, but I think it's like a little tongue-in-cheek uh, Jordan joke that he's written here that's like, Tom is actually talking yeah. about the story that he becomes. This guy could become Merlin. Yeah, th- this, this because it's all cyclical, right? This this will be our story of, of Tom Merlin is that he... You know, set the sword in the stone, and then the whoever came and removed it became king. And it's obviously not yeah. what happened, but like, wait, that's, wait, so is he Rand Arthur? He might be, or it could be that we've got is the name like Rand wrong. Randall Thor, Rand Arthur. It could be, or, oh or it could God. be Archer Hawkwing. This is blowing my mind, man. It could be that Archer Hawkwing and Rand are combined as a single character, and like, mm-hmm. so the name is, you know, it's all these. He even talks about Archer Hawkwing at the same time, right? Yeah, talking about how he's attributed to all these things, but it doesn't actually make much sense. It's not one-to-one, though. No. It's all sort of mix-mastered together, like details resurfacing in different configurations. Right. And we, and we, and they reference, of course, the, the Mosque and Merc myth again, which is, is Yeah, right. I funny. think we got that one pegged. Yeah, that's fascinating. I love it. Yeah. And I like how he just tosses these things in there. Yeah. And the, did Mosque and Merc really fight with Spears of Fire? That's ICBMs, right? Yeah. 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 Which, I guess, implies that... There will be a nuclear war, according to Robert Jordan. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or in in a past iteration of America and Moscow, maybe it did. Maybe, I mean, it's yeah. all it's all cyclical, cyclical, right? It's happened and it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe that was one of the breaking of the worlds, right? Yeah, yeah, maybe it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So this conversation is cut short because Elaine realizes that the Windfinder is channeling, and not only is she channeling, she's channeling big time. She's controlling the weather. So she's not really a wind finder, right? She's a wind maker. <laughs> yeah. A wind breaker? Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's, uh, it, it's, it's really cool that how they describe it because it's, it's not that she's channeling in, in, a, in a, a totally foreign way. She's just doing things with a power that, that Elaine has never seen before. These, these like thick weaves that go for miles. It's like a, a question of scope, I guess, right? Yeah. She's doing things probably nobody in the White Tower knows how to do. Yeah, almost certainly. So she's working the weather. It's really awesome. And that's why the ship's going to go so fast. She says, like, we're going to get there in 10 days. And Elaine's like, oh my god, 10 days? Yeah. Which is kind of a dream. Because, you know, we, the readers, we don't like it when they travel. Right. Well, I mean, (laughs) Robert Jordan is conveniently writing in a lot of fast traveling, which I I appreciate. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's interesting them talking about why the chan- the the wave finders, sorry, wind finders, why the wind finders are hiding. It's is that they know if they were revealed, the White Tower would kind of involve themselves in a way that they don't really like. In fact, they mentioned that they send channelers occasionally to the White Tower just to appease them, and so that they won't yeah, come asking. Like is, they sacrifice the girls. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of it more. Maybe there's. Girls who want to live a, a different life and they want to get off the ships. So maybe they're they pretty volunteer. adamant. Yeah, they, maybe they volunteer. It's true. Yeah, I hope so. And that's good. But it, they it, they were pretty adamant that you know if they're stuck on shore, they pine for the next ship they can take, and and if they die on shore, that we have to take their body back to the sea where, where they should be. Well, yeah, but I bet you there's plenty of teenage girls who are like, "Get me out of here! Get me <laughs> off the ship!" There's something weird that happens though. So Elaine is talking to the women about how they can channel and there's and they're basically saying you know oh shit we were hoping that you weren't actually Aes Sedai because we don't want you to know we can channel and Elaine says I can't promise to keep your secret well so she's, like she's just gonna go sp- spell it out to the white tower like why no no I, th- I, I don't think that's what she meant at all I think she 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 knows that there might come a situation when they, she has to say something so she can't promise but she doesn't want to, you know, she's like, so it's not, I can't swear to do this, but I'm going to do my best to keep your secret. Okay. That's my read. Cause, cause I think she understands what, I think she agrees. I think she knows that they're right, that the white tower is not one to leave their hands off of something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but she also understands that she's part of this thing that is, you know, affecting the entire world. And at some point she might need to say, hey, we've got a whole bunch of channelers over here if we need them, you know? Okay. That's, that's my read, is that she doesn't want to make a promise that she, knows, that she doesn't know she can keep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one really sad moment, too, because the Windfinder is talking about how they totally took down a Shanchen ship. And they didn't realize that one of the channelers on there was the Daman. She was a prisoner. Mm-hmm. And um, the Windfinder feels really sad, bad about it. Like, she mourns it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which well, is, yeah. They're, they're not, they probably don't particularly care for, like... Uh, they, they, they don't seem the type to, to enjoy, like, unnecessary killing. So it kind of makes sense that they'd want to... Yeah, another mark in their favor. I yeah. guess they're kind of the anti Shanchen in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about freedom of movement. <laughs> yeah. She also mentions that, uh, you know, as powerful as she is with wind and uh, water, she can barely light a candle. Uh, so it's it's interesting that there seems to be sort of like a, a cultural difference in the way that they channel, which makes sense because, you know, Elaine has very different skills and we know that to some degree there's a there's a there's a gender division in the mm-hmm. in the power but we also know that as far as heat and earth both Egwene and Elaine are able to channel those things much greater than, than that oh that's a good point yeah. so yeah I wonder if it's like a muscle yeah and the the wind finders rarely do fire so they they don't have the ability to do it when they want to. As a shit-based culture, not channeling fire is probably a great thing, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, probably. They're like, rule number one, don't channel any fire. Right. And then we've got a super weird gender thing because Robert Jordan, uh, she, <laughs> Elaine asks why the sea folk call ships he. And we get this weird-ass answer <laughs> saying a ship is alive like a man. Treat him well and care for him properly and he will fight for you against the worst sea. Neglect him, though. Ignore the small warnings he gives of danger, and he will drown you in a flat sea beneath a cloudless sky. What? What? Uh, yeah. Men uh, be like this? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's, yeah, it's supposed to be an extended metaphor. It's like, yeah, men will protect you as long as you take care of them. Otherwise, they'll just drown you? <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> they'll yeah. drown you when I you're mean, least expect. I guess we don't know all their customs. They're secretive. <laughs> so, chapter 21. Into the heart. The icon of the dragon. So I think we're going to finally find out what's going on with this Rand explosion. I wonder if it really is he just read the mean letter from Elaine. <laughs> or, you know, he... <laughs> or he was working out some energy. He's a young man. <laughs> this is what happens when the dragon jerks it. <laughs> oh my god, we're making those t-shirts. <laughs> That's right. The stone rings like a bell. <laughs> That's why the machir keeps changing his sheets. <laughs> the only way. Yeah, she was like relieved when she came in and it was covered in all his blood from the miracles. Blood. The machir is going to be so upset because I've just destroyed 14 beds. But we only found about two. <laughs> there were more beds. Other things it was out. a really crazy fight. <laughs> so... We follow Maureen. Maureen she, chapters are rare. They are. And this may be uh, one where we get... The second one, I think we've made. I want to say third, but I think that we get a lot more of her thoughts in this than we usually do for Maureen chapters. Yeah. yeah. Even though you have made me aware that, like a video game, you can see there. this chapter is a lot about her looking at people and thinking about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but she's in a crowd of Terrans, and they're all in the heart of the stone, and they're all waiting for <laughs> Rand to... Uh, do whatever his big announcement is. <laughs> and uh, she notices that Lana's absent and she's a little bit nervous about it because Lan isn't usually absent. And we know where he is, right? We uh, we suspect that at this point he's hiring uh, Julian. Yeah. Um, but she also, she mentions that, I think she tells us something that we didn't know, which is that she set it up so Lan will go to Nynaeve when she dies? Yes. We didn't know that, right? Because she That's told not him, what she told Lan. Yeah, she told him she was going to send him to some green Aja friend of hers or something, right? Right. She will have him if I die and not before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So so she does have a... Yeah. Well, that, that ties into a lot of how Moraine thinks in this chapter. Was she just looking around all the people and looking at Rand and later on looking at the Isles? She thinks of people as pieces in a game. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, she doesn't use the word game in her thoughts, but she thinks like, this is what that person, this is that person, this is what she's useful for, this is what she's trying to do, mm-hmm. that's that other person, we can use her against that. She's always thinking about angles, even when she's just standing in a crowd of people waiting. Yeah. Well, she is Kyrian in royalty, so that means that she was raised in the game, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I we... did like the, the bit where somebody comes in and she was like, well, uh, she's a tall person. But I guess everybody's tall compared to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I measure everyone relative to my own height. I'm short even for Kyrian, and so, you know. My personal favorite is when she's thinking, you know, why did Swan why did Swan do this thing? And then she says, she'd probably just give me one of those sayings about boats and fish when I asked her. <laughs> yeah, I that's right. Yeah, that's exactly what she did. <laughs> yeah. Dead on. That's that Swan. Finally, Rand comes in and his big announcement. Yeah, I, I like this. During this announcement, Moraine is looking around and she sees Matt and she sees Egwene and she sees Rand. And she, they, it's rare that we actually get a dispassionate third person view of the main characters, right? Mm-hmm. We always see Matt from inside Matt's head and we always see Rand from inside Rand's head. But Moraine is actually looking at them and she, she sees things that Matt wouldn't think about himself, which is that, you know, his hair is disheveled. He looked like he slept in his coat. Right. And, you know, he, he looks nervous, but he always gives these stupid grins when everybody's looking at him, you know? <laughs> So that that's cool. I, I really like seeing that when we get the chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. This chapter got really complicated with <laughs> just all the different people and the different plots that are going on. Yeah, all just politics. And I, I guess, you know, and Maureen's like, she's like, well, there's all this politics that, that Tom has been handling for Rand. But I'm good thing I sent Tom away so no one can help Rand anymore. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Lady. Yeah, I know. It's like... She is eminently unlikable in this chapter, mm-hmm. I feel like. Even, uh, I mean, just her talking about, uh, like, Lan, it's just, it's heartless. It really is. She's just talking about how he's useful to her. And at least, you know, it sucks that he he likes Nynaeve, and it sucks that, because uh, of Tavara and Rand is, like, pulling him in one direction. But at least his time with Rand is useful. It gives her another string to the young man. I would mm-hmm. posit she's, that Moraine doesn't care if she's unlikable. Because well, no, I, think, I don't yeah. think she does, but well, for you, us, she's you very... You make a great point, because this is... Lan is her best friend, right? Yeah. If she has any friends... Well, he I, would die for Swan. her. I think Swan might be her best friend. Yeah, but she travels with Lan all the time. True. You know, they're, they're buddy buddies. As close yeah. as you can have friends of opposite genders in Robert's so books. The idea of being happy for Lan, for finding a little bit of happiness in his life of battle and strife, never even enters her head. Yeah. It's just jealousy and cons- but not not like a sexual jealousy just possessiveness as like as like a tool possession yeah that's yeah. good yeah, yeah just yeah yeah possessiveness yeah yeah and you're right yeah she's very unlikable i hadn't i hadn't thought about it until you put it that way cuz i cuz she's she's calculating the entire time mm-hmm. even when she's shocked or or surprised she doesn't have any human emotions mm-hmm. she's just like oh i'm going to have to reconfigure my calculations now yeah which is probably why she's the only person who can do what she does it's true. Yeah, she, she might just be kind of like a little bit of a sociopath, maybe. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Rand's announcement, and it's a bunch of politics stuff, which I don't think is important. We don't have to get into it. But he's yeah. gonna—they're going to invade Kyrian, and they're going to stabilize the place. They're not going to invade it, though. They're going to send troops to Kyrian. He specifically says they're not invading. Yeah, them, right? yeah. They're, but they're I mean, it's peacekeep. It's an invasion, right? It's like you know, we're going to go do a peacekeeping mission to Iraq, but we're not going to be keeping a lot of peace, you know? Yeah. But the, the, but the intent is definitely humanitarian. I mean, they're talking about, like, instead of, you know, conquering, they're talking about bringing food and feeding people. Yeah, which is something that Terrans have a lot of trouble <laughs> absorbing. <laughs> For free? <laughs> Can I say one more thing about Moraine being a sociopath? Hmm. She's talking about how... Um, she's trying to get more information about the Aiel and what they're doing with Rand. And it says one of the women who she had tried to get to eavesdrop was left bound and gagged, hanging by her ankles, staring wide-eyed at the 400-foot drop beneath her. And the man had simply disappeared. And she's <laughs> fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just inconvenience to she, her. She thinks about this in terms of how frustrating it is that she hasn't been able to get information. Yeah. Yep. Not in terms of like, man... That guy's okay. Yeah, right. He's probably not okay. He's very no. not okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's, they're going to invade. Invade. Yeah. They're going to pacify Kyrian. They're going to send a peacekeeping mission to Kyrian. Conveniently formed of all of Rand's enemies, which is, yeah, I mean, yeah. at least but, he's, Yeah, he structures it really well. And, yeah. and Moraine even thinks, like, oh, I guess Tom is, you know, giving him some good information. Yeah. 
Because he definitely could have done that by himself. Could not have. No. Yeah, it was very unrand like Yeah. And he, but he, yeah, he separates them all out. He puts enemies working together, and he separates out the people that are dangerous in terror and makes them go to Kyrian to kind of dis- dismantle the local power structure while he's not there, because he's, he's planning not to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Moraine does, does show some admiration for, for these moves, because you know, they, they work. They, yeah. Clever moves. Yeah. yeah. But, but Rand is going to Ruidian, the Aeol city of mystery. He's going to wizard school. <laughs> Hogwarts? Yeah, he's going to go to Hogwarts. But before yeah. he goes... <laughs> yeah, he finally does the thing, <laughs> which is he, he jams the sword into the stone. He does the the reverse Arthur, as it's called. Yeah, mm-hmm. the classic. <laughs> the classic reverse Arthur. <laughs> yeah. he, he sticks Kalendor, the, the super powerful thing that uh, he can't carry around because it would make all of his challenges too easy from now on. <laughs> into the stone as a reminder that, uh, that he's still in charge. But he's kind of following the prophecies, though. Um, mm-hmm. In the prophecies, there's a part, Into the heart he thrusts his sword, into the heart to hold their hearts. Who draws it out shall follow after what hand can grasp that fearful blade. So. So what kind of prophecy asks a question? That's not very useful, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. Well, there's some weird stuff about the prophecies in here, because another thing is, Moraine tells us that the prophecies never mention companions. And she's wondering about these Tavaren, these boys coming from the same village. Yeah, they're clearly yeah. Tavaren, but she, they were never part of her original plans. So that's it. Rand leaves with that, drops the mic. Yeah. <laughs> or the sword, yeah. yeah. Sword mic. Chapter 22, Out of the Stone. The icon of the portal stone. Rand has gotten really dictatorial, like creepy dictatorial. You think it's creepy? Yeah, he marches out and he's making all these proclamations and sending people here and there. And he's got a bunch of Aeol right there ready to murder anybody who disagrees with him. Mm -hmm. I think he has to. Sure. You know? I think in a place like Tyr, that's the only thing that works. Mm -hmm. But but it's it's not necessarily, like, it's not not necessarily a good thing. It's just maybe a necessary thing. Yeah. Egwene says as much. She's... He talks about how he's making some some mean or cruel decisions, and she's you know wondering why. But. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a new power structure that he has to set up with him at the top of it, and we know that he has to do this because it's prophesied that he will defeat the Dark One in the tar- uh, in the last battle and stuff. But in order to set up a new power structure, you have to get rid of the old power structure, and there's like no way to do that without violence. Yeah. Like this thing that he's doing, nation building in Kyrian, this that's not something that any other tyrant would do, probably. Mm-hmm. That's what makes Rand unique, is that he's he's sort of the the good dictator, you know? Mm-hmm. He's he's the guy that's using his power for good and perhaps it, the benevolent one? Yeah, he's yeah. the benevolent dictator. And so theoretically, if he if he had to step down, if he lost his power or if his work was ever done, he would just go home, you know? He's like the, the mythological figure in that way. But when you are a dictator, this is how it has to be done. Because otherwise, people will resist you. Mm. One way or another, whether you're a good dictator or not. Well, whatever kind of dictator is, he knows how to trap in style. This is like a hell of an entourage he's riding with, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true, yeah. In his shirt sleeves, even. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, nobody... Like, he's intentionally kind of dressing down because... He doesn't want to be the dragon for a minute, you know? And yeah. nobody looks at him twice because he's not... They, no one knows what he looks like, right? Yeah. He's already a legend. They think Moraine or Lan must be in charge. Yeah. So yeah, he rolls out with the, the hundreds of Aeol. I thought it was more Aeol, but it's only a couple hundred? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's uh, I think, less than 300. Oh, that's yeah. that's the, the, kind of, the kind of the joke, I guess, is that such a small number of Aeol took over the... The stone, but they're, A, they're really badass warriors, and B, they, you know, they put a hole in the side of it and funneled in. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, they didn't put a hole in it. Uh, Crazy Matt put a hole in it. That's right. With, with a, a bundle of explosives that someone gave him, which we knew was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, um, Egwene and Rand are just kind of chatting together like friends, and... She thinks this was almost like old times. He ready to explain why and how she was wrong. <laughs> you know, some things are eternal in every age. Mansplaining is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, at least she at least she views it with a kind of a, a nostalgic view or something. I guess. I yeah, I, honestly, she's Egwene is kind of 
giving him a dressing down about Elaine. And it, whatever, we don't know that much about his parting with Elaine, but I'm on Rand's side here. The, the, yeah, she, this, Elaine said she wanted to go, and he's like, okay. Yeah, this that whole paragraph, there's there's like maybe two paragraphs where she's like explaining what he did wrong, and this is just like very frustrating to read for me, because it clearly makes no sense. It's It's just ridiculous. It's like, oh, well, it's... You know, she wanted to go, but she wanted you not to want her to go. So she wanted you to try and talk her out of it so she could say no. It's like, this is inane. This is, like, yeah. idiotic, right? I mean, She like, wanted you to play mind games with her. Yeah, it's, I, that's that's my interpretation, and it just, like, frustrated the crap out of me. Yeah. Like, yeah, we could not care less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I care a little bit. <laughs> eh. So Rand takes them all to a portal stone that he found reading old books. Yeah, this is kind of... I actually thought this was kind of fun. He was like his little research quest. He was like, well, you know, I got to find, you know... Oh, hey, this guy says that he saw something like a portal stone when he was wandering around in the waste trying to find Iridian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it goes to show you, reading books is fundamental, kids. Yeah. And another interesting point, and, and I don't know if this is relevant or not. I just thought it was interesting, is that uh, they mentioned that Tyr actually has a disproportionately large number of portal stones around it. There are four around Tyr, and they're supposed to be relatively rare. I think that that is the normal amount. I think they just don't know where they are. Oh. They're all buried. They're all wrecked. But this old map of Tyr just shows a lot more, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes, they, it would make sense that they were scattered all over the place if they were used for travel normally back then, right? Right, yeah. But yeah, the chapter image is a little bit of a spoiler. Because it's a big reveal. He's like, we're going to a teleportation stone. And, you know, I mean, if Warren had seen the chapter image, she'd know where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) So we get, on the way, we get some Aiel info from Ruark, which is nice. I think we're going to get a lot more Aiel info as we go forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talking about their their kind of enforced peace when they're outside of the the waste. I guess they kill each other all the time, normally. (laughs) Which is something that's kind of hinted at. They have a lot of clan wars or... Inter interclan strife that's pretty common back yeah, then. Yeah, I kind of thought they were all one people, you know, which they sort of kind of are, but they sort of kind of aren't. They they kill each other a lot. They have different clans. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I find a little bit confusing, and I, I'm, I'm sure we'll learn a little bit more about it, is that there there seem to be two independent division systems within the Aiel culture. There's their clan, which seems to be primarily like blood related and then there's their sept their sept which seems to be more like um an order or something you know it's like a a, a clan not a clan like i thought a sept was a place like a, a place they lived but there's also the the maidens of the spear right so that's an example so the maidens of the spear exist in all the different clans but all maidens of the spear also work together as like a a group, sort of, I guess. Yeah, I find it a little confusing. So, Maidens of the Spear will kill each other if their clans are fighting, right? Yes, but also I think that they, for certain things, that they, they will unite for for whatever reason. Uh, and I think another one was, what is it, the Stone Dogs? I think that's a, a sept, not a clan. I have a little bit of information here mm-hmm. uh, about Aiel Warrior Societies. Aiel Warriors are all members of one of the Warrior Societies, such as the Stone Dogs, the Red Shields, the Water Seekers, or the Maidens of the Spear. Each has its own customs and t- sometimes specific duties. For example, Stone Dogs are often used as rear guards during retreats, while Maidens are often scouts. Oh, okay. So yeah, there are Warrior Societies that are, that are within the clans and throughout the clans. But they're sort of parallel. Or not parallel, they're orthogonal. Right. So so there there's there are stone dogs in every clan. There are maidens of the spear in every clan. Uh, yeah, Aiel clans frequently raid in battle, but members of the same society will not fight each other even if their clans do so. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Thus there are always lines of contact between the clans even during open warfare. Alright. That makes sense. How confusing. <laughs> well, I mean we're not Aiel. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to them. If we were born to it, we'd all be taller. <laughs> um Avienda's mad at uh Rand's you know, because he didn't do what Elaine wanted. And, oh my God, I don't care. <laughs> so it's like, ah, shut up. I know. Is, is like, I mean, I, I did my best, okay? I spent like 30% of my time not saving the world and dealing with Elaine. <laughs> but no, I guess I should have like, you know, done some little song and dance to... Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't tell her that I didn't want her to go so that she could go even though I didn't want her to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then she sent me two crazy letters. That, that that seems like 
drunk texts, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God, I wish I could unsend that email. You know? That's right. <laughs> this is the this is the the past equivalent of drunk text for sure. Yeah, but they they, they find the portal stone with the help from the Aiel to search this this area, and Rand has done a bunch of research, but he doesn't quite know which icon he's supposed to channel into. So and it doesn't seem important. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, the, and he's just like, yeah, I hope this doesn't end up at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> to be fair, I We're mean... in a different world. Yeah, that's well, that. Well, well that he not, knows this, yeah. He figured so, out the world thing. Well, Lanfear told him. Yeah, okay, Lanfear told him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so he, he does have like a base level of information and also he's Tavarin, so he knows things are going to work out kind of anyway, right? It's kind of it. Which, yeah. you know, sounds ridiculous. But it did. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> that kind of happens with Matt. The whole not yeah, just Matt yeah. with uh, Rourke too. He's like, hmm, which one of these is going to be for Radiant? And Rourke's like, well, I mean, I've seen this symbol on a bunch of <laughs> yeah, bunch of shit in Radiant. Both of these symbols are like, oh, which one am I going to pick? And Matt's has, like, oh. yeah, he has Matt flip a coin. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, this is the one I was going to pick. And Matt's like, that's the one the coin said. He's like, all right, we're good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Tavarian checks out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple points of Tavarian check here. So I mean, like. I, I like that little system for figuring this out. I think it's I think it's kind of funny, but it, you know it makes perfect sense within the structure of this this story. Chapter twenty three, Beyond the Stone, I kind of Aiel Spears. This is cool. Yeah. And, and again, like, very happy that uh, Jordan has basically written out the Need for Travel chapters. Absolutely it makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, the warp totally works, no problems at all. Boom, there they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. they didn't even lose like four months like what happened last time. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they didn't see all possibilities of their life for all time. They're flashing before their eyes yeah. and sending them reeling. So we get, I noticed through all these chapters, Rand is resisting Moraine. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's his primary motivation. Is yeah. I'm just going to not do what Moraine said. But Land's become very approving of him. Yeah, Land is like, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> and Moraine is not, notices that, is not super thrilled about it. Because yeah. like she, she already knows there's a problem with Nynaeve. And I think it's in the her, in the Moraine chapter, she also mentions that she sees him like supporting Rand in a way that she's not like super cool with. Mm-hmm. He's getting pulled by the both the threads of love and the threads of Tavarin. Yeah, yeah, I think Land's getting sick of her shit because also it says um, she's kind of um, he's Rand is kind of butting heads with Moraine, and it says surprisingly, Land did not call him down for speaking to Moraine in that fashion. Mm-hmm. So, yep. real sick of your shit, Moraine. Yeah, I think Moraine's a control freak yeah. with good reason, but she is and. I think that for this to work, this whole Taverian Dragon Reborn thing to work, Rand has to be in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And Moraine just hasn't grasped that yet. No. And maybe She's that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, when they when they arrive, they describe like what it feels like uh, to be in the place where they are. <laughs> and all I could think was, like, this sounds like Texas summer, man. <laughs> it sounds like Phoenix, Arizona. Or Fe- well, it's, that's true, it's drier there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like... Everything burns, like touching the ground burns, like you feel like you're being baked alive. Yeah, yeah and Lan immediately wraps wet cloths around everybody's head. Yeah. He, no, he dumps water over their head. And then, yeah, cause, yeah. Cause, yeah, you could die yeah. from that eat. But he doesn't put anything on his head because he's, he's too badass. He's too badass. He's, he's so cool. He's like, I can take the heat. <laughs> <laughs> so there they are at a place called Chiandire, which is near Ruidian. Ruidian, I guess, is some kind of city of mystery that's surrounded by fog so there's a whole bunch of Aiel here at Chiandar and we learned that there's like some some politicking that's happening here too yeah there's two groups of Aiel who probably would be killing each other except they're here at Chiandar at Ruidian and the wise ones are there and then they're not allowed to fight but these people hate each other yeah and uh, they talk about the Shido and uh, how they are basically the Congers and the Coplins of the Aiel world. So, like, I guess every group has their, like, their schmucks or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of like this because I I felt the same as Egwene did, where she was thinking, like, oh, I, I forgot that the Aiel are black-veiled killers who kill people all the time. I, all the Aiel I met are really nice. <laughs> but I was thinking that, too. All the Aiel we met are really kind of likable and nice. But, no, these are like a warrior culture that... that you know, kill people with spears all day. Yeah. In fact, you know, Lan, Lan has said at a couple of occasions that he spent a lot of time fighting Aiel. Like, they're not super friendly to him, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think he's a bit of a legend. So we meet uh, some more Aiel. We meet a bunch of wise ones. But we also meet Herod, the uh, Tardad Ale, who is, I guess, Ruark's buddy. And we meet Kuladin of the Shido Ale. 
who's just a huge jerk immediately. Yeah. yeah. Just, that's his primary defining character. He's like, scowling. we should stab them. Why aren't we stabbing them? <laughs> oh, I'm so angry. Yeah. What I think about that is we should stab them. <laughs> He's a grouchy guy. Yeah. And he thinks that they should go, that it is wrong for them to be there, but the wise ones are like, you know, things change. This is, everything's changing now. Yeah. It's interesting because this is not a sure thing. When Rand teleports in with his group of Aiel, they're immediately on guard because they're not supposed to be there. Yeah. And, like, until the wise women say, you know, basically the piece of Ruidian, there's, a, they, I feel like they are under the impression that they could die at that moment, at that moment, because none of them are supposed to be there, especially with Outlanders. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, Kuladin's reaction might be more typical of the Aiel than, you know, the other reactions we see. Mm-hmm. So Rand talks to the wise ones, and the wise ones are very Aes like Mm-hmm. And Rand asks to enter Ruidian. And so does Matt. Because <laughs> oh, Matt makes bad decisions. Wow, Matt, really? I mean, like, maybe you should have run that by someone first. And he does it, like, at the most awkward time, too, where Rand, Rand has figured out the ancient forms from reading, and, and he does this elaborate bow, and then Matt's like, me too! Yeah. <laughs> he does, like, a, a half-assed version of it. like, yeah, eh? <laughs> yeah, eh? <laughs> oh, but we get a, we get a, like, soap opera dropping a bomb moment there, oh, too. that's right. Yeah, he says, uh, when he's trying to convince them that he should be able to go into Ruidi, and Rand says, my mother was Aiel, and then Ami says, not your mother, dot, 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 your father. Wait, so Tam wasn't his father? <gasps> bum, bum, bum. This changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we kind of... Yeah, yeah. What, and they, they know them. They know his parents. Which is yeah. interesting. That That's unexpected. Yeah, right away, that... That surprised me. I didn't know that any Aiel knew that he existed, you know? No one else knows who his parents are, right? I mean, like, Maureen doesn't even know for sure who his right. parents are. Right, yeah. It literally, they're people that died the moment he was born yeah. mm-hmm. at the on the slopes of Dragonmount. Yeah. But they know? Yeah. They recognize him. They say he looks a lot like his father, mother? Both. They say yeah. They see he has the, the eyes and face of his mother, but, you know, a lot of his fe- the features of his father, too. Yeah. So it's interesting. They know both of his parents, but they're also dreamwalkers. So, you know. Yeah. So they know. Be high. (laughs) So they know who his parents are. Did they know that he was going to be the Dragon Reborn or he who comes with the Dawn? Yeah, unclear. They're very specific about saying that they don't know that. All of their things are he might be. Like, every, every, every. Like, as as sure as Moraine is that he's the Dragon Reborn and as sure as everyone else is that he's the Dragon, that. All of the Aiel are specifically saying he could be this he who comes with the dawn, but we don't know that yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. if he survives the trip to Ruidian. Right. So they, they have their own prophecy that they won't they won't believe until they see that fulfilled. Right, yeah. So that's I think that's it's almost back to back. We get the sea folk have the prophecy of the prophecy of the Koromur, and the Aiel have the prophecy of he who comes with the dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also almost back to back we find out that the sea folk have channelers and the Aiel have channelers. That's true. Because some of the wise ones have channelers, mm-hmm. which we find out when Kuladin tries to stab Matt, like many people have tried to do, and many people I'm sure will in the future. <laughs> Matt has that, that effect on people, <laughs> yeah. the, the wanting to stab him yeah. thing. But the, the wise ones smack Kuladin down with the one power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they say, like, surprisingly, they say, no, they say he can't go. And Rand's like, he can be my plus one. They're like, oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> He's like, yes, I am the breaker of chains. I am the rewriter of law and custom, so my buddy can come with me. <laughs> yeah, I know he's a douche, but, you know, he's like, he's, he's known me since I was a kid. Yeah, no, he's, he's a cool guy, you know. Just you get to know get him. To know him yeah. <laughs> There's a few funny moments. Uh, they tell him, they tell them that uh, they cannot carry food or water or any sort of weapon, so they have to leave them there. And Matt is just pulling knife after knife out of his, I like out of his yeah. clothes. I and like the Aiel women are kind of impressed by that. <laughs> like, damn. He's like, yeah. got him up his sleeves. He's got him up his like butthole or something. <laughs> Down his back. Yeah, yeah I, I think he legitimately did forget the ones in his boots. Yeah. That wasn't a trick. <laughs> he just likes knives, you know? That's fine. So, yeah, Rand goes into Ruidian, and so does Matt. And they go without their weapons and with any food and stuff, and they head off. But you know what they do have? Their clothing. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Didn't make them get naked, did they? No. Huh. Funny that. Uh, and they have the power of friendship, of course. 
they do that. Yeah, cloaked in uh, friendship. Yeah, they're cloaked in friendship. But uh, we we do get a little bit of information about Redian and just as part of the ritual, they talk about it being a, a city of ghosts or a city yeah. of, the, the, of the, the memories of the dead. Very spooky. Mm-hmm. I hope this turns out better for Matt than I did last time he was in a city of the dead. I was thinking the same thing. He like, just <laughs> became a raging asshole. <laughs> is, is this at all? I wonder if this is at all like the what was it called? Shadar Logoth. Shadar Logoth. What was the thing that haunted Shadar Logoth? Mashadar or Mashadar. Morda. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it was getting a little crowded in there for a while, so let's hope that there's no more personalities popping into Matt's head. Okay. I mean, after his experience. 90 80% he's not going to steal anything. <laughs> 60. Okay, it depends on what it is though, right? Like yeah. if he sees like a really badass knife, like a big golden handle, he might be like, "I really like knives. That's a really nice knife." <laughs> Look, that's what got him last time. We know. He likes knives. So, it's interesting that to me that the wise ones can channel. It seems like there's a lot more channelers out in the world that the Aes Sedai don't know about. Mm-hmm. And Aes Sedai they sort of, yeah, they're all hiding. Yeah. From the Aes Sedai. The Aes Sedai kind of think that they run the world, but they don't even run all the channelers. Well, they, they do run their little corner of the world pretty thoroughly, I, I, I feel like. Um, the, the people that do, so far, the people that do um, manage to hide from them specifically come from cultures that are very isolated. The Aiel and the Sea Folk. Mm-hmm. I mean, that we may run into others in the future, I don't know. But um, at least those groups are are structured in such a way that they're... they're they're uh, it's called isolationists. They they don't they don't interact with other people, so they can hide. Yeah, yeah I'm curious because they talk about how the the people the girls who go to the tower the numbers has dwindled a lot to the point where there's huge sections of Tarvalon inside the White Tower that aren't even being used anymore. But I wonder if there are less channelers or if these channelers are just coming more and more from the areas that are not communicating with the Aes Sedai. Yeah, it, it could be both. I suppose. I yeah. wonder if they, you know, the same selection pressure. If Viren is right about that, would uh, would hold in the Sea Folk and the Aiel cultures because they they would still have to kill all the men who could channel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in the Aiel men who could channel go up to the Blight and get themselves killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you have to be a wise one if you can channel, which is the business with Avienda. Yeah, yeah. Aww, which, poor, which, Avienda. Yeah, poor Avienda. Yeah, that, I feel real bad for her. That that does suck because you know, well, first of all. It kind of makes sense based on what we do know about channeling and, and those who can channel. If you don't learn, then you die. So it's it makes sense that she'd have to be at least at least go through the the wise one mm-hmm. training. But it does suck that she's like so in love with her life as a maiden of the spear. But um, yeah, she has, has to give it up. In fact, that they, they they do it in a very like dismissive way, which I I understand. It's kind of like a forget your past kind of boot camp sort of thing. But it really sucks because it's something that is clearly a part of her identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, break the weapons in front of you. Um, and Amis is talking about how she had the same thing. She did not want to be a wise one. My spear sisters broke my spears before my eyes. They took me bound hand and foot and wearing only my skin and a pretty little doll tucked under my arm. To remind her of her, her How childish she was, yeah. 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 That sucks. Yeah, yeah it, does. it really sucks. But, you know, I, it seems like they're being too hard on them. But what they say is... Soft things die here. Yeah, it's a hard yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, you're, we don't coddle them like you do in Tarvalon. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Egwene's like, what? <laughs> Seriously? Damn. Yeah, we get a whole bunch of stuff about the Aya here, because after Rand and Matt leave, uh, all the women uh, repair to the tent to have a little wine and lay on some cushions and talk about stuff. Yeah, they talk about the um, the wise woman test, which sounds familiar. Sounds very like the the yeah the one in Ruidian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds very like the one that ha- they do in Tarvalon. Like the, the three, three arches. Yeah. yeah, there's three rings. Step through any one, you see your future and different variations. Yeah, so it's a similar deal. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if this is something that actually was handed down from the Age of Legends. But anyway, so Avienda has to leave for Ruidian. Yeah, because she has to go do the test. And how does she leave for Ruidian? Naked. But as naked. naked. Take off all your clothes. You have to take off all your clothes and get Including naked. Including shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sucks because that sand is pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, I don't know why they have to be naked, but the men don't. We don't know that the men and the women have the same experience, though. No. True. Well, they're going to different places. Uh, Are they? Yes. They're both going to Ruidian, but uh, Rand is going to the center of Ruidian, uh, where 
Avienda is going to these three rings. They're different different places. Oh, they okay. mentioned the second time you go into I think they say the second time she goes into Raid and she'll be going to the center. But so the Aes Sedai make people get naked for their their test. Their yeah, accepted test. Right. Uh, also worth maybe worth noting the Aes Sedai's uh, Terangro requires channeling. The one in Raid, Raid and that's right. They need the sisters around it, channeling at it. Yeah. So you know, mm-hmm. works a little differently. Yeah, they could have let. The uh, the prospective wise women go down there in their clothes and then take off their clothes, you know, in the fog. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, no, but then, yeah, but no. Now we've seen everything. Well, it's a very it's a <laughs> it's a very religious process too. Uh, it rem- it was interesting to me. They were saying with um, for uh, Rand and Matt when they go into when they go to Ruidian, they're not allowed to bring food or drink to remind them of the. Um, trials that the ideal have, the ideal have faced in yeah. the past which made me think of uh like a passover seder for jews you know oh, really? to do like the bitter herbs or drinking the dipping the egg in the salt to remember oh. the tears and, yeah i, I bet that that must have been it yeah or it must have been what robert jordan was thinking about yeah i mean they're desert people yeah yeah, yeah. interesting with a bunch of different tribes yeah as a quick note, the Aiel have a special word for Lan, for him personally. <laughs> I know. Because he's so cool. I wish you guys could see how uh, <laughs> Jeff's eyes have softened here. Oh my god. On Elaine, the man alone. Or maybe the man of his own country. The man, the one man who is a whole country or something. He's so cool, <laughs> we have a special name just for him. Maureen's like, you know him? They're like, no, we know of him. <laughs> 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 of course. Because he's the coolest guy in the world. He's the most badass badass that ever badass in Badass Town. <laughs> I love it. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we get a little more background about Aiel culture and honor, which is interesting because they have these um, they have these guy Shane that are that are servants and at first well, sorry, not servants, they're very specifically not servants. And when uh, uh, when Egwene asks about it, they, they seem a little bit uh, taken aback that she calls them servants. Because they're not. They're warriors who have, you know, I guess, need to redeem their honor or something? Is they, that the idea? They, it's, they, they go into this, it's G et o, which is their honor system. Right. Which has a lot of rules. And if you're in a battle and somebody touches you without killing you, then you have incurred to, which is like a debt, to them. And to pay it off, you have to go work for them for a year and a day as a servant. But they don't call you a servant because you're, you're Guy Shane. Right. But they, uh, they knew. We, we find out that in that letter that the wise ones had sent to Moraine, they told her that she was going to meet with them on this day. Yeah. Which is... It's, it's interesting because Moraine, uh, Moraine basically says, you know, I thought that would be impossible. But then when Rand mentioned the portal stones, I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. Then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's how that's going to happen. Yeah. And can I just say, Moraine is definitely like geeking out on etymology right now. She keeps <laughs> showing off her knowledge of the old tongue. <laughs> She's like... Yeah. She like to... Two semesters of old tongue in, in wizard college. Yeah. And she brings it up at every chance. <laughs> she totally does. And then she gets a little bit into the the origins of Aiel as a name, and then the the wise ones don't like that at all. Yeah, like no, no, let's not talk about this anymore. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't like where this conversation's going. <laughs> so I guess that the etymology of these words might tell us a little bit something about who the Aiel really are. Yep. But that's interesting. I didn't realize to this point that the dreams could foretell the future. Nor did I. They, they, I guess Egwene's, have Egwene's dreams foretold the future? No. Yes. They, Not, they, nothing that we've seen in the in her actual dream walking, but she's talked about some things early on when she was first discovering her dream powers that were that seemed to be prophetic. Yeah, they, they've, mm-hmm. they've definitely foretold the present. Yeah. Like the, you know, parent hanging out with wolves and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the wise women say as much. They say it's much easier to see, see things that are happening now than things that are happening in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the things seem related. And their, their prophecies are all conditional. Like they, they were like, we were pretty sure that Rand was going to show up here today. And if he did, he was going to go into Ruidian. And if he comes out, then he's the he who comes with the dawn. Mm-hmm. And the, but they have a bunch of other side things. Like uh, Lan was like a 50-50 chance. If Lan showed up with her, then he would live. But if he didn't, he would die. And if Moraine didn't show up, then they would both die or something like that. I don't know. There's like... There's a bunch of conditional statements they say. Yeah. And then they mentioned that it, something would happen if she didn't go into Ruidian. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, whoops. They weren't supposed to say that. Yeah. Because Moraine was supposed to demand to go to Ruidian, which yeah. she probably would have. 
Would she though? Like, why? Prophecies. Why would, yeah, it's all about prophecies. I suppose so. She wants the information, and this is a, a source of information. Yeah, these rings. Uh, so Maureen wants to go to Meridian too because all the cool yeah. kids are doing it. Yeah, yeah. But she has to go naked. Yeah, take it off those clothes. You can see Maureen totally naked. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And Gwen feels left out. She wants to get naked and go too, but they're like, no, you mm-hmm. can't go. Yeah, no, we have to give you a lecture now. Yeah, because so Gwen's going to start dream training. Yeah, dreamwalking school. And they do, they do mention some other things related to dreamwalking that we have never heard before uh, when they're giving her her lecture. Things like um, people entering the dream in flesh are evil, or there's like this evil talent. There's um, the ability to help heal people by entering their dreams. And there's a bunch of stuff here that we've never heard of, but mm-hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. The hold on the world. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters... 24 through 28 of The Shadow Rising. I am Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Mike Sparkman. I don't have one of those. <laughs> if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our website, uh, thedragonreread.com. Please check out our Patreon, the patreon.com slash thedragonreread. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. And until next time, the the light light illumine you. you.